Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. StrikeDeck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The StrikeDeck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer training programs for CSMs and customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. Today, I'm joined by Damian Howley, the Vice President of Customer Success for Passport. Damian and I share the perspective that CSMs should really be able to elevate the conversation with customers to the executive level, and we're going to be talking about why that is so important and how to change the conversation from a product focus to a business focus. Damian, thanks so much for being a part of Strike Deck Radio today. My pleasure. I'm, I'm uh, honored to be here. So tell us, how did you end up in customer success? Yeah, so um, I uh, was part of a company, a startup out in San Diego uh, called MindTouch, um, okay. who is also involved in customer success. And, I know MindTouch. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. And so in, um, in t- like 2010, we were in the process of transitioning from on-prem software to SaaS software. And what emerged is just this need to increase customer value and and drive retention. And so um, I took the, the title Vice President of Customer Success in 2011, which is kind of before the time when anybody had that title, right? Yeah. But it was, it was um, I think it was focused on the right outcomes, but without an awareness that there was a lot of other SaaS companies kind of levitating towards the same need of you know increasing customer value, uh, driving retention, driving upsell, being consultative, um, you know, delivering value, time to value faster upfront during onboarding. So since then, I've I've been focused exclusively on customer success, and I've built a couple different teams from the ground up. Yeah, and I'm I'm loving it. Cool. Um, can you give the audience, now you're with a company called Passport, can you give the audience a little more information about Passport and what your customer success team looks like there right now? For sure. So Passport, uh, we're, a, we're a SaaS company out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And basically, to, to round it out, we, we got our roots in mobile parking payments. Um, so think of it as uh, an app on your phone. Uh, instead of putting coins into the meter, you just punch it into your phone, you're all set. We've since expanded our vision uh, to be more about the relationship between uh, cities or, or agencies and their communities. But to give you some sense of our, our success, we've got over 500 clients. Uh, over 300 of those are municipalities. And typically, we power the entire environment's um, mobile parking 
experience. So it's it's not like more of a, it's not a grassroots uh, rollout. Uh, we okay. will work directly with with municipalities and um, turn the software on citywide. Okay. And then what does your customer success team look like there? Yeah, I did forget that part of the question, huh? <laughs> um, fair enough. That's okay. I'm going to remind <laughs> so, you. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our customer success team, so we, we first off, uh, we have customers and clients. And so our, our, as we've called it, our client success team is focused e- exclusively on the, um, the, the cities, you know, mm-hmm. our direct clients. And okay. we do have separate teams specifically for our end users, um, but our focus is on our, our municipalities, our, our private operators. And so um, one thing that's really interesting about Passport that I haven't seen um, at other companies that I've, I've worked at is that we are effectively you know, pay-per-use. And so okay. we are jointly motivated with our clients to increase revenue and drive growth and um, look for consultative ways to grow the opportunity together. And, you know, when they make money, we make money. And so it's a very authentic uh, engine for, for client success. And, and I've really enjoyed, that was kind of the big draw for me to uh, move over here, you know, from California all the way to North Carolina. And I, I said, this is, this is a, an incredible opportunity here. So our team is focused on long-term client partnerships Um, you will, you know, they're measured by retention and growth. Um, but it's not, you know, an annual license with a 30% upsell, um, KPI, uh, we're looking for, there's a combination of organic growth that just occurs through them expanding their footprint, our clients expanding their footprint, and then also functional, um, growth that happens through, uh, leveraging additional components of the software. And we, so we, we share this kind of joint motivation, right? Uh, for just from a tactical perspective, we have three different roles. We have a cl- what we call a client success representative. These they carry a portfolio, a larger portfolio of smaller clients, so they're a lot more high touch. We have degrees of automation in there. We have a client success manager, you know your your typical role. Um, mm-hmm. They carry a a mid sized portfolio. Um, they're a little bit more consultative, they're on-site, and then we have a client success executive, which is a lot more white glove, smaller portfolio, a lot more in-person interaction, larger clients. Uh, so that's how we, we scale across the, the three different titles. Okay, very cool. Well, let's get into our topic. So today we're going to be talking about how you can elevate your conversation to talking with executives in your client organizations that you work with. And you and I had a really great but very brief conversation about this topic. So I want to start from the beginning and really get some definition out there for our audience. Um, So I want to hear what you mean when you say elevate the conversation. Yeah, for sure. So um, I've I've pitched this a hundred different ways. Um, (laughs) Simply put, we... There are many different layers of you know, operational functions at our with clients, customers, and one thing that I've seen that troubles customer success teams is that they tend to be very comfortable uh, partnering up with the operational side of our, of the client's house, if you will. Meaning, yeah. um, they find common ground in product functionality or. 
um, more of like the, the product operations. And so what I'm talking about when we say elevate the conversation is that client success teams need to have a reliable mechanism to access uh, more senior folks uh, at clients that, that they typically would not have access to. And, and um, the term that I've used is less about product operations, but more about product strategy. Uh, so another component of this is, you know, another thing that I've seen client success teams um, have trouble with is partnering up with a very small subset of stakeholders from the customer side. And mm-hmm. uh, in some cases, not the right subset of, of stakeholders who control the contract and control the renewal and control the budget authority. And so th- that account, while the CSM would say, that account is great, they love me, that account is not actually in a safe place because you, you're representing that account status from potentially the incorrect stakeholders. So by broadening your connection across uh, a customer and there are many different tiers of stakeholders, you strengthen your ability to retain and grow the account. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's really a couple of different layers in there. And I think you you really hit on it. It's making sure, you know, sure, you still have to have that operational uh, engagement with those folks who are maybe admins of your solution or super users. But I think it's so critical to have a business level of engagement as well with with the budget owner. Um, let's define what we mean by executive for the audience too. I don't want people to get too hung up on that. Um, you know, I've written a couple articles recently on engaging executives, and I've had a few people assume that I meant the CEO when I said that. So I'd love to hear what you define as executives, and then I, I I'll share what I think of that as well. Yeah, we don't even use that that term, um, which is fine. Yeah. It, but in the context of this, in the context of this question, uh, we're talking about um, business decision makers, and so people who, you know, typically you can go back to the the original contract and and see who was involved in the decision up front. Now, there's a couple different reasons to do that. One is because you know that they had the authority to make that decision up front, and two, they uh, connect very deeply with the objectives that drove that decision. And so, you know, you, you, you go down the path of, of uh, working together with a client and um, there's a core reason at some point in time, right? And so oftentimes if, if the CSM is uh, working with more operational level uh, folks that you can, lose, you can lose track of what those core uh, value drivers are. And so um, anyway, I'm going off on a big tangent here, but really what we're looking for when you term, you know, you think about executive is uh, the senior level decision makers who can control the future of your contract and control its growth and, um, or, or subsequently it's, you know, it's demise, if you will. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I always think of it as kind of the economic buyer or the, the budget owner, um, you know, I, I use the word executive um, because it usually is an executive in the company, but in a small customer, it might be their CEO, but in a, a larger organization, it might be a director or a VP or somebody um, who's got, you know, a lesser title, but is still the economic buyer. And so I think the, the most important thing is being engaged with that level of person as well as the more operational people. So that's yeah. what I mean when I say exact. And it also depends upon 
you know, the sales price that you're selling at and who you're selling to. I mean, oh yeah, um, absolutely. It, it could, it, it's, it's not, so I think in most cases it's very easy to target the, the you know, VP or director. Um, and as you're an enterprise software, yes, I think that's pretty consistent, but depending upon the average sales price, you, you might find your decision maker or as we're calling it, your executive might exist at different levels of the organization. Yeah, I think that's an important uh, clarification for the audience. Why do you think it's so important for CSMs to be able to have a business conversation with an executive? What are the benefits of that? Well, overall uh, stability of your client retention, you know, your general alignment with your client's direction, and and kind of, um, I guess you could call it your the the longevity. Of the account, so I, I'm throwing out a, a bunch of keywords here. Benefit, <laughs> you will. Um, but I, I think that in order to secure, you know, renewal and multiple years of of client retention, um, you have to be clearly observing and executing according to the objectives that were dictated by your client. And so, again, they, they, you know, you're at some point in time somewhere they said, well, we want to solve a problem and we're going to buy some software to solve it. And so, you know, they come up along, they go through their, their buying process and then they sign an annual contract or whatnot with you. And so if you lose track of those objectives or you're, you're ex, you know, you're executing on, you're, you're taking it in a different direction and you're not connecting back to that executive or that business decision maker, uh, you, you might find, that come renewal, the contract gets canceled. Uh, you don't have those opportunities to expand and upsell. You know, one thing I mentioned earlier is that I, I think the CSMs that I've been exposed to and, and trained and, and onboarded, and uh, they, they very naturally levitate towards product expertise, like product operational expertise, mm-hmm. meaning how does the product work? How does the, how do the reports work? And um, and that's a conversation that I think pairs up well with clients' uh, operational team who hands-on day-to-day, but doesn't necessarily give you that upward mobility to access those decision makers. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that I see with the customer success teams that we coach, um, you know, one thing that I think is a huge benefit of being engaged at that higher level is just avoiding being blindsided by churn. Um, you know, if, if there's engagement, I think you mentioned this earlier, if there's engagement at the operations level and, um, you know, that's going along fine, but those business objectives that the um, economic buyer had aren't being achieved, there's a very good chance that that account won't renew. Um, whereas, you know, you, you have to have both. So if the economic buyer is happy and then your operations people are not, there's also a risk there. But I think it needs to be looked at in at both you know both sides of the relationship and so to me that's one of the the biggest benefits of of having csms able to have that business conversation is just preventing that potential for being blindsided by churn that you know from an account you thought was really healthy yeah i, I mean i so one one example that comes to mind is every you know i'm talking to a csm and i say how what's going on with this account? <laughs> and I get this very excited, like they love us. Um, only to find out that when we actually get on the phone with uh, the person that signed the contract, that they're not you know, too wowed or too impressed. Right. And, and that's not, um, that's not talking about here at Passport. I'm just in generalizing. 
um, that depending upon who you get your information from, you're going to, you might get a very skewed perspective of your, your client safety or your client retention and not take an action when an action is needed. You might not go and execute a repair plan when a repair plan is needed. So you misread um, based right. on, on single points of information. So the more, you know, the more inputs of information you get from your clients uh, from very many different tiers, the, the better you comprehend whether you're meeting their objectives or not. Um, one other point I just want to layer on there is, you know, we hear customer success is, is a, is a business team. Um, they are measured by, you know, uh, growth and, and um, client health and um, all of these things are, generally to do with uh, money, you know, to be blunt, you know, they're, they're yeah. to do with money. And so um, having that skill with your CSMs to be confident and comfortable in those conversations at all, at all levels of the, the client's organization are critical, especially if we're going to put monetary objectives in front of our CSMs, they have to be capable of, of having, of elevating the conversation to those that, that carry the control for, for the money. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk tactics. At what point in the customer life cycle do you think a CSM would typically engage with an executive? Immediately on contract, you know, close one or earlier. Um, okay. So at, at one point, one of my CSM teams, I had, I had them engaging pre-sale and it was just a matter of capacity. Uh, so we would come in at like 80% likelihood of close and we would pitch on the high level benefits of our CS organization from, you know, I, have always, every CS team I've run, I've run support and, you know, onboarding and retention. Um, and so at that point in time, having them come in, uh, at 80% likelihood of close or earlier and pitch the benefits of the CS program can help the sale, uh, but also secures, those decision makers, you know, the, the alignment of those decision makers with your CS team. Um, some people do it the exact opposite, which I don't recommend. You know, they'll uh, they'll close the deal, they'll onboard with the onboarding team, um, they'll work with the support team, and then ninety days before renewal, in comes the CSM. And I feel <laughs> like I've personally experienced the pains of that, and it uh, it fails. Um, it's susceptible. Yeah. Uh, but it, it all depends, you know, what your account to CSM, you know, ratio is, what the portfolio sizes are. So uh, the more manageable those portfolio sizes are, the more proactive and early stage you can be in engaging. It's very hard to, so up, sorry, I, I ramble a lot here. But, um, <laughs> That's okay. Uh, one There's a lot to, to this topic. <laughs> yeah, we could go. Off, we got like what two hours here. This yeah, is sure. <laughs> um, so, if you think about when a sales rep is selling uh, a contract or you know in the final stages of selling, they're paired up with the decision maker, and so that's when the opportunity is ripe to um, maintain that contact. Now. If, depending upon the complexity of your software, you go off and you go through a complex onboarding process, you're going to have a whole different set of stakeholders, which are immensely critical stakeholders, uh, but then you, you lose that pairing back up to that um, decision maker. And so 
if you can retain it the whole while um, from contract signature onward, you're in a much uh, safer and more productive and more aligned state with that client. Yeah, I love the idea of of having the CSM really engage even before the deal is inked. Um, I think that that really sets the customer up for success. But I know that a lot of CSMs inherit a group of customers where maybe that expectation that there would be a relationship there wasn't set up front. So how would a CSM go about kicking off a business conversation with an executive where um, you know, maybe there hasn't been an established relationship in the past? Yeah, there's a there's a, a ton of different tactics. Um, QBRs a great great opportunity to get in front of you know face to face, get in front of your decision makers, elevate the conversation, and it's it's not elevate the target, it's elevate the conversation. You know what you are talking about the um, the timeline that you're talking about the the impact of what you're talking about all needs to be at a, um, a strategic level. Um, you know, one thing we do here at Passport is we will, it's more consultative. I mean, we, we are sincerely looking at a consultative approach because we um, jointly share in the, you know, the revenue model. So mm-hmm. um, we're looking at strategic growth over the course of uh, a multiple, multiple years. And there's, you know, value for us to invest, but also setting, achieving alignment between our clients and our our CS organization on where we're going to go and invest over the course of one or two years, and then subsequently delivering on that, of course, um, is a real huge opportunity to elevate the conversation to, to um, get away from the the nuances of of the product for a moment and and you know kind of uh, focus back on on the core objectives and the core value propositions and the core, you know, user stories. So um, some other things that you might consider for elevating the conversation, uh, customer success plan. This is, you know, a plan that would mm-hmm. live with the duration of the client to really facilitate a lot of the things I just talked about. Um, one thing I'm also a huge advocate of is um, using repair plans or repair moments for an opportunity to elevate the conversation. They're very sensitive moments, right? When a client right. finally hits you with this list of this list of items that they need and they're and you know they're frustrated and they're building a case to just share with you their frustration. And if you execute that moment well, you can have a huge turnaround in that client and increase access to stakeholders. Um, now that's by no means suggesting that people should, um, you know, allow their clients to bottom out so they can repair them. That's probably a separate podcast. Um, but <laughs> the, uh, I find that when done well, a repair plan is an immensely powerful uh, driver of um, increasing access, increasing uh, direction. Like it's almost you can turn a failure into a wow moment have done very elegantly. Yeah, I've had some experiences with that with my own teams. And I think that that is a great point that you make. Uh, you know, when you do have that opportunity to meet with people um, and solve problems together, it really positions you both on the same side and you can tackle a problem and that develops a relationship. And it's so 
powerful in terms of that relationship building piece. And, and it can, you know, really turn things around or deepen a relationship with a client. And so, you know, I think that especially having some training on handling challenging conversations and turning those into um, problem solving opportunities is, is a huge win. So I appreciate that you brought that up. What uh, would be the content of a typical executive conversation? I know you touched on it a little bit in your last answer, but I'd like to get into more specifics if we could. Yeah, I mean, the, the core of the focus should be on their objectives and it can trickle down from there. And, you know, a lot there's there's plenty of QBR style templates out there and they're all, they all vary, right? And so when I, I run and instituted my QBRs, we... Uh, we do start off with uh, material that would be in the customer success plan. It would be uh, their objectives, uh, how we are succeeding uh, or struggling, if you will, um, in accordance with their objectives, what tactical steps need to take place next in order to further bolster their objectives. And so um, it's very it's a very convenient conversation, right? You know, you told me you wanted to increase X, Y, Z. So here I am a quarter later showing you exactly what we've done to increase X, Y, Z. And furthermore, here's what we need to do next quarter to continue increasing X, Y, Z. It's it's a very uh, logical process. Um, but when you, when you combine it with things like feature requests and uh, activity milestones and health and um, customizations and bugs and all this stuff, it, it it does provide a very compelling story that you're focused on achieve, helping them achieve their goals. You know, the other thing uh, we, we focus on strategy. So a lot of times our conversations are uh, beyond the scope of our, pro- our, our product. And so mm-hmm. when we work with our clients, you know, we're not just, um, we don't just follow the, the product's strategy, but also industry strategy. And we, we're looking for solutions that are going to, uh, help our clients that may require third parties, may require, you know, additional uh, consultation or uh, overall, again, tying back to their objectives. So we're, we're not just there shamelessly plugging our product <laughs> and, and um, reciting things from our product. And, um, and then lastly, um, we're looking at multiple years. And so I feel like a lot a lot of those bad CSM moments are when you're just you're on the spot in in the fly, you know on the fly there, and you say, "Hey, we've got these five bugs, and we need to you, you need to fix these because we really don't like you." And it's and every CSM has had those moments. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, while you're um, if you, well, I was going to say if you can get out of those conversations, I think you know a strategic. Um, account review is a mechanism to also get out of those conversations, but you're focusing less on the, the um, present day um, smaller pains, but more on the long-term vision, the multi-year vision, the direction that your, um, your product direction, your product vision, things that tie together and cohesively build a story of alignment with you and your, your client. Yeah, I think you can also prioritize those things then, because if you've had that business conversation and you've created goals with the client and you've helped them, you know, decide what 
of all the reasons they purchase your solution in the first place, what are the most important reasons and how are you going to help them achieve those things? Then you can use that information to help them prioritize things like bugs and feature requests. So, you know, while there may be things that are annoying to them, if they don't really impact their overall goals, then those are less important than the ones that do impact their goals. And so it can help with prioritization as well and refocus customers so they're not just thinking about all the negative things that have been going on, but they're also thinking about the ways that you're helping them win, which is, I think, really important. I think that's a huge, you know, a lot, a huge topic right there. Let's put it that way. Because um, in, a, in a lot of day-to-day CSM lives, I think that the, uh, the general conversation is uh, with clients kind of forgets the overall value that you're bringing to the, the client table. You know, they, they kind yeah. of, it's very easy for someone to think about, well, what have you done for me recently, you know, lately? I don't know what the saying is, something like that. And so these um, strategic meetings, these account reviews, QBRs, whatever you want to call them, um, is a moment to all, almost bring that back to life and say, look, I, I know we're focused, like we are going to prioritize your, these bugs and we're, we're fixing this and we're improving that and so on and so forth. But by the way, don't lose sight of the two or three or four years of incredible value that you've got from our software, our service, our team. It is an opportunity to brag. And it's very, I find a lot of clients very quickly lose sight of just uh, how much value they're getting from, from your software. Yeah, I think that's one of the huge reasons to have this elevated conversation and really document, you know, the goals and really talk about the results that you're getting and and put that down on paper so that, you know, you can see, okay, well, maybe we're struggling together in this one area, but that there's these other four areas where there have been huge wins for your organization. So it keeps that um, positive stuff from being overshadowed by anything negative that's going on. And Hold on, I just want to add one more topic because I'd be sure all this out is just to be absolutely crystal clear. I am I'm not by no means advocating for um, you know overlooking the those uh, needs, the bugs, the feature requests. Yeah. I'm just looking for a level setting on the holistic view and the holistic value that is delivered from from you to your clients, and so. Um, yes, definitely not advocating um, just bypassing those oh, yeah. <laughs> by talking to a decision maker. Me either. I think you have to solve that stuff. That's sort of the the baseline. Um, but I think it can help you prioritize. I mean, no no technology company has unlimited resources. So um, you know, if we if we all had unlimited resources, there would be no bugs or features that were needed. And so it really comes down to um, you know. Uh, what, which ones do you want to solve first and which ones are most important in light of the customer's goals? I think is really what it comes down to. I have given that speech before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but what? it's real. It's, yeah. it's absolutely real because I've, I've said, I almost verbatim, you know, uh, asking our clients, Hey, look, you prioritize, we'll work according to your priority. You have to tell us where to go and we will make it happen. Um, the worst case scenario is when you, you get a client who won't go through that exercise for you, and and they they by not prioritizing, 
they're almost hurting themselves because you're just kind of in full reaction mode and you, you know, you can't deliver on what's meaningful to them. So it's definitely not a topic for today, but um, I appreciate your, your approach to prioritization there. Thanks. Um, I think that many CSMs tend to be very product focused. Um, I think a lot of CSMs right now have come out of, you know, support, have come out of professional services, have come out of product teams. How do you get your team to shift from a product focus to a business focus? Yeah, it's it's a great question. Um, and everybody's trying to take a different approach at this. So kind of back to my point earlier, we, we've gone mm-hmm. off, we've built all these client success, customer success teams. We said, you're responsible for revenue. And then, then we go and recruit from like product support and we recruit from, you know, product and, and all different sorts of product centric, uh, backgrounds and, and professional services. And it's, it's a, it's a weird mix, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, um, it's gotta be really, really challenging, um, as this field advances and we push more and more into revenue and business. Some people are going to find it immensely challenging to succeed at their job. Um, so for me, it's it's less about what I was calling earlier, you know, product operations, and more about product strategy. So mm-hmm. comprehending a theoretical understand, like this sounds corny, but the product theory. So you understand the why of your product, um, the how, but not all of the nuanced what's. Like you, you don't need to be having conversations. Um, and, and providing training, um, you're more of a uh, product uh, strategist as opposed to you know a, a, somebody who's running the product operations. The other critical component, which is not new to any conversation around CS, is industry. Know your industry. Know your know what's going on, and and um, know your clients. And so, um, I've seen some people take this to the extreme. You know, they're following every single news article from anything to do with their client. Um, I think the industry is way more knowing your industry is way more powerful than, you know, tracking every social media, uh, remark that's from your client, but, um, it, it all helps, right. To, to be able to speak, uh, to your clients in a valuable, meaningful fashion. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors and we'll be back with the rest of the interview in a minute. Today, I want to share some information about the customer success workshops we offer at the Success League. Each of the classes we teach as a part of our CSM training program is also offered in a two to three hour expanded workshop format. These on-site sessions are designed to provide a rich learning experience for customer success teams and include group discussions, team exercises, and tools that team members can put to use right away. Some of the recent topics we have been addressing through these workshops are engaging executives, uncovering opportunities, building persuasion and negotiation skills, and managing time. If you have a customer success team event coming up, consider adding one of our half or full day workshops to build your group's skills and drive teamwork. I also want to mention a terrific resource from Strike Deck called The Beginner's Guide to Customer Success. This is a 200-page ebook you can download from Amazon, and it includes fantastic tips, articles, and exercises to grow your career in customer success. CSMs will find information that helps them get started in the field, and managers will gain tools they can implement to help build the customer success function within their organization. 
For more information about either the workshops or the ebook, you can visit thesuccessleague.io or strikeduck.com. And now back to our interview. So Damien, what are some other tactics CSMs can use to engage executives and drive a business conversation? So overall, the easiest way to, uh, I think the easiest way to engage an executive and, and have a business conversation is, is talking about value. Mm-hmm. And so it's, again, moving more towards the, that product strategy of how you can uh, attain value for your clients. Um, you might be looking at talking around uh, how the client can increase um, increase I don't know outputs that are meaningful to them or aligned with their objectives. You mm-hmm. might be looking at uh, conversations around growth or expansion. So imagine this: you're on the phone with um, somebody who is hyper focused on the nuances of the product and trying to talk about contract renewal. That's not going to be a conversation that pairs up well, you're very likely going to get pushed up to a level where that conversation should occur. Conversely, if you're, you know, talking to, uh, as we're calling it, you know, an executive about uh, the product nuances and the product operations, you're very likely going to get pushed back down to somebody where that conversation pairs up most appropriately. So other ways that I, I think you can navigate upwards are uh, in some cases uh, through through urgency, you know. So you know there are times where you you do need to have a decision maker on the phone for renewal, for um, expansion, for somebody who has issued a cancellation. So there's all these different scenarios where you you do need to have access to that decision maker. And if you find yourself in a situation where you haven't maintained access to that decision maker, you're going to be scrambling, and that's. I imagine most CSMs have found themselves in that situation, and it's it's a horrible situation. Another mechanism to move upwards and and engage with executives is talking about the renewal or the contract. You know, so those are that's a very clear path to um, getting the decision maker on the phone. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, also repair when you're in moments of of you know kind of severe repair of an account, things have gone mm-hmm. sideways. Um, those are also opportunities to elevate the conversation and, and engage with those decision makers. So, you know, one thing I've run into, uh, you know, in the past is, is CSMs who, you know, are, are maybe new to the field and feel very uncomfortable speaking with somebody who's potentially several rungs above them on the corporate ladder. How have you coached people like that um, toward a, a level of comfort with those conversations? Yeah, I, I'm of the opinion that any conversation that feels uncomfortable is probably f- for the right reason. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's like if you're not, um, and I, I think it's less to do with title and and maybe you know some people are um, overwhelmed with the title that they're talking to, but I feel like it's a commonality of topics, and that a lot of CSMs we don't arm with the right tools or training. To have a meaningful, a meaningfully valuable conversation with the decision maker, so we give, you know, we, we kind of give them these objectives: go and again upsell, renew, retain, uh, whatever it is. Uh, we generally train them with the product, you know, make sure you know everything about the product. Oh, and then go and talk to this uh, VP about this hundred thousand dollar annual renewal. 
they're ill-equipped to do that. Um, and so what I, for me, it's simple. It's tools and training. Uh, they have to be mm-hmm. armed with the right mechanisms. They have to be armed with the right processes. If they're going to go talk a contract, they need to know how to get the contract, to renew the contract, to renew the contract, to process it, um, where to go when negotiations occur, how to handle negotiations, what to, and it, it doesn't have to be a, like a, uh, an art. I think it's more of, uh, there's, there's actually a little bit more rigidity to it. You can, you know, you provide your CSMs with, uh, what they can negotiate, what they can discount, how they how they step by step navigate through these these interactions, or um, how do I put this? It's less about training them to be comfortable, but arming them with the right tools to facilitate the right conversation. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that I've um, done that has worked pretty well is it's taught people how to ask great questions. I think. Um, too often CSMs go into conversations with leaders feeling like they have to be the ones that lead the conversation and they have to have all the answers. And, you know, being able to ask really good questions of somebody and learn and listen is is really powerful. And I think, you know, executives are in those roles because they like to talk about business and they like to talk about their business and they like to talk about ways to improve their business. And so, you know, getting a CSM armed with some really great questions is another way to prep them for those kinds of conversations. So they don't feel like they're in there having to, you know, be doing a dog and pony show the whole time, but they can actually rely on the executive to really contribute to the conversation as well. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point about the conversation. And so for me, I find a lot of CSMs and on the level that we recruit and, and that's, again, this is, this is more generalization here about just different places I've seen and worked. Uh, they have an expectation that there is a professional, there, there's some assumed professional nature of how they interact with people uh, once they're, you know, working at a company and um, uh-huh. and I think it's it's very strenuous on conversation. And so I tell you know I tell a lot of people, you look, it's just one human talking to another. Let's have a conversation about what's meaningful to them. What you can just ask questions, listen. So you know, I find a lot of CSMs will go in and they perceive that they're expected to present for the full duration of whatever they put on their calendar, and that's a very uh, overwhelming and uncomfortable expectation. So, you know, whenever That's I'm tough. talking about, yeah, yeah, there's nobody who's going to nail that and they're not going to nail it for 50, a hundred or 200 clients. Like it's, it's an impossible task. So, um, yeah, just, I would advise, you know, be a human, just talk and, and learn and listen and, you know, admit, um, when you don't, if I don't know something, I, I'm the first person to tell a client, yeah, I don't know, but I'll, I'll go find out for you for sure. Um, I think there's a casual nature, a casual tone that just exists once you get comfortable with it too. And, w- w- and that tone will get you more, not, you know, not more in terms of money or anything, but in, in terms of progress or uh, results or alignment, um, you just, uh, relationship, all of these pieces I think will, will strengthen uh, your connection and, and um, with your clients. I agree. I think it's it's such an important thing to to note that, you know, CEOs are people too. 
and you can just have a conversation with them, uh, you know, and, and they want to have that with other people. So it's important. How will, how will learning these skills that we've talked about today really um, help a CSM in the long run? How is this going to impact their career? Why should they be doing this? So for me, the client is uh, rarely ever, it's just one person. Uh, but I think CSMs or, you know, one of the problems that, that troubles CSMs is that they, have, they can identify with a small population of people with their client and, uh, as I mentioned earlier, represent the, the health of that client based on the inputs from, from one, one level of input. But when you start thinking about who your client is, it's uh, an organization, it's a city, it's um, a, an entity of hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people is your client. Um, and uh, once you kind of wrap your head around that mindset, you, you realize that there's a responsibility to understand uh, how your client is doing at a much broader level from many different points of input from um, have it, maintaining many different relationships and understanding different uh, values and motivations. And so I think it's a lifelong skill to, to um, just maintain uh, accounts and to kind of be critical of, of the information that you're being shared and uh, be, be curious and be uh, inquisitive as to the, the health of your clients and the health of your accounts. You know, building and engaging on, on multiple levels, if you can successfully maintain numerous tiers of relationships, you know, from the operational to the tactical to the strategic, um, you're a, a highly proficient consultant at that point, somebody who can really comprehend the needs of their client, the business or the, the city or uh, whatever the entity is, the organization. It, it's a, a highly sought after skill as an individual, uh, somebody who can comprehend and possess an understanding of all those numerous different uh, elements that are, that are uh, valuable to, to a client. Well, Damien, thank you so much for all your thoughts on this topic. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you the question that we ask all of our guests. What do you see as the biggest trend in our field right now and why? Yeah, that's an interesting topic because I am have been just head down for a long time, um, <laughs> from, I know, which I shared with you ahead of time here. But uh, for me, I, I feel like we're seeing more of a inclusion of CS into channel. Uh-huh. We're looking. We're looking at you know um, health and and increases in value across a, a group of users, and so some of the objectives that are underway here at, at Passport are including how we um, leverage the strengths of our CS team to help um, amplify the success of our channel, um, and and how we can uh, repurpose some of those very honed in skill sets on. Um, really enabling our channel partners uh, to, to, you know, kind of extend our service and extend our, our thought process and, and methodology um, beyond what we can reach here. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm just seeing general increases in revenue responsibility. I think, you know, if you were to have a, a diagram of CS over the years and, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, um, 
evolution of man diagram uh, as we are uh, starting to stand up, right? Um, and a lot more eyes are on CS as a business team and uh, the expectations for what a uh, CS team for their responsibility and revenue, I, I, I have personally um, experienced increases over the years. So I think we're, we're kind of, kind of growing from this uh, awkward, like service, primarily service oriented experience um, to something that is a lot more consultative, a lot more calculated, a lot more intentional. And I'm not saying anything new here. Like this, you know, if you listen around, like this is what's being said anyway. Uh, but the number that is tied to it of saying, well, you know, your CS team should typically be responsible for X, I see is, is increasing and expectations are increasing for the capability of this, this uh, industry as a whole. So Damien, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today for this very important conversation about engaging executives. I love it when our guests offer tactical advice for CS leaders and CSMs. So thank you so much for your tips and thanks for joining us today on Strike Deck Radio. Yeah, I'm, uh, as I mentioned, I'm totally honored to be here. Um, love what you guys are doing and um, really appreciate it. Uh, if you guys have an opportunity, uh, check us out. It's www.passportinc.com. We're doing some really exciting stuff. And then on LinkedIn, I'm at Damien H, D-A-M-I-E-N-H. Awesome. Thank you. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time. 